Good morning. Welcome to Jim and Winston's first edition of Seize the Day. I'm Jim Moletta, and we're passing it on to Winston Tan. Good morning, Winston. Hi, Jim. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited about doing this podcast with you. It's a long time coming, isn't it, Jim? It certainly is. Uh, you know, uh, we've, we've had some very long, deep discussions over the years, and uh, how we actually came to meet and get to know one another uh, led right into that process. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just so our listeners know, I mean, this is the first episode. It's October 2015. Uh, we're planning to do a monthly adventure in this podcast uh, with my good friend Jim here. Um, you know, sometimes serendipity brings people together, and Jim's one of those people in my life that I feel really uh, appreciative to have in my life. And then I thought that, you know, when we started talking about um, uh, deep thoughts, we thought, hey, this would be really cool to share with other people. Absolutely, and you know there's some uh, synchronicity in in what we do because of uh, you know common um, interests or recognition of people like Wayne Dyer and maybe even a Deepak Chopra or those people that you know maybe put thinking to a higher plane at times. So that's that's kind of where we've gone once in a while. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is that. A lot of times you hear about, you know, um, people having deep talks and um, you only hear, hear them on a cursory level where they talk about it afterwards about how they have those aha moments, right? And it seems like when we talk, we seem to have that a lot, either through, through emails where we, we inspire each other or motivate each other on our projects that we're doing. And um, I guess the inspiration for this came when we were talking most recently about, you know, just current events and just thinking, wow, this is deep stuff why don't we um share this through a podcast as if the listener is having a cup of coffee with us you know yeah and you know i one of the things that strikes me and and uh you know you're talking about a, a recent a very interesting business seminar yourself and your wife went to and, and you said you know and i don't mean this in the wrong way you said compare it, it would take you away from your normal day-to-day work so you said well even if it is a waste of time you know, I really have nothing to lose. And, you know, my view of it was, well, it's an investment in time. And, uh, you know, the day-to-day is is pretty easy to step back into. You know, that's... That's, you know, really... that's what we want our listeners to do is invest a bit of, bit of time with us. Yeah, exactly. And then the, the fruits of that labor will be like, you'll either have a lot of fun, you might bring out insight, maybe get a few aha moments themselves. And the funny thing is, when, I remember when you reframed that for me, and I was in that, a different space, where I was in a different space of thinking, oh, I was so busy and things were happening. And I'm so glad that I reframed it after talking with you or emailing you, because it turned out to be one of the greatest uh, moments of the month. Um, you know, just putting myself out there, taking a chance to try something different led to great changes afterwards. And that business seminar that I thought would just be, you know, two hours of my time that I wouldn't get back turned out to be a great investment of two hours. Yeah, that's, you know, and I think time is one of the things we discussed on on that day as well, Winston. And and I I heard this on an interview uh, from a Tavis Smiley program. And um, it was David Crosby, you know, he's obviously been through some health issues and he'd just gone through a, a cardiac uh, procedure and you know he said you can have all the money in the world and you can have you know all the possessions in the world but you know when it gets to a certain point in life time is the most important or most valuable currency out there so you know to invest your time is something that's very well spent 
Yeah, no, I agree. And that's why we want to share with our listeners, um, you know, these next few moments of our time, um, just a bit of us. Yeah, we have a really pure, authentic reason for doing this. Um, we're not just here to listen to our own voices, but we figured we'd capsulize some of the things that we're thinking about so it can inspire other people, um, share a little bit about our observations on life and a bit about our philosophies too, right? Absolutely. You know? And people may not agree with what our philosophy is, but if at the very least they think a little bit about what their philosophy, I think that's a big win for everybody. Yeah, and I agree. And, you know, the thing is that a lot of times um, I think people are too afraid to have an opinion for themselves or afraid to put their opinion out there so people actually get to know them. We're going to try to... We're not going to try to dabble into any political bounds or anything too sketchy that way. But we're our goal is to just bring inspiring thoughts that are universal in thought, regardless of background, religion, thought processes, all those things. Because I think a lot of times life is unexamined. You know, we don't really take the time to take a pause to really look at why we're doing what we're doing. Yeah, I, you know, and I think that that whole thing relates to, you know, things we've seen from from Wayne Dyer, and he sources um, knowledge and wisdom from all religions. He doesn't restrict himself to any one way of thinking. And I think through that, he can present some really, really good ideas. Yeah, no, it's it's great that you mentioned that. You know, um, for our listeners that follow Wayne Dyer and uh, uh, those type of thought leaders, um, his passing, I guess, last month was quite a big shock to a lot of people. Um, they probably thought that he'd, he'd live indefinitely, but as we know, uh, humans on the planet eventually have their time. And um, it was really sad to, to see him pass, but at the same rate, I gotta applaud the contribution he made in that short period of time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Anytime I watched his, uh, his presentations, his, his ability to, to make you think and put you in basically, I, I think, a different mind space while listening to him. You know, maybe it's it's a little bit of higher consciousness, uh, but he certainly made a huge contribution in that way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, sometimes you look about, look at your whole life, and you see what have I done, and you, um, and it's easy to sort of list off the rattle down the list of things we've done for ourselves or immediate families. That's not too hard to figure out, but when you look on a global scale or on a legacy point of view, lately, especially now myself, you know, in my forties. I'm thinking, you know, it's important to sort of look at the bigger picture, not only from my career, immediate family, but what kind of impact am I making on a, a larger scale? E- even if it's short interactions at the grocery store or um, when you're driving, you know, your choice to to uh, be more consciously aware of the, the surroundings around you and not taking that for granted, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I've... I've um... I'm knocking on the door of 60 at 57 now, and, and it, my mind doesn't feel anywhere near that age, but, uh, you know, I did a lot of rugby coaching, you know, through my 30s and 40s and even into my early 50s, and, and um, you know, I had no idea at that time uh, the impact or the influence that I could have on other people and I've had quite a few occasions in the last year or two where some of those people I've coached have you know come over for a visit or given you know sent me an email or I've got in touch with them and you know I, I realized that 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 path you walk even though you just think all you're doing is coaching a rugby team of the day 
the influence that you can have on people through, you know, doing those simple things. Yeah. Actually, that's deep. I did actually, you know, in our talk here, I didn't even know that you coached rugby. Like, how long did you do that for, Jim? Uh, you know, I've been dabbling in it actually off and on since uh, my 20s. Wow. So, uh, you know, I, there were times that I stepped away and let somebody else do it because mm-hmm. I wanted to be more a player than a coach. Right. But, uh, you know, at, at a certain point, being uh, being a player anymore, you know, because of the, the way the body goes as you as you get older Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, I've had a hip replacement of 53 and I have stepped away from coaching for a couple of years now and all executive involvement in rugby. But you know, I really, really enjoyed it. And uh, I did find that, you know, to be good at it, you have to be somewhat participative. So it's hard with, uh, you know, having to respect prosthetic joints to be able to show people how to do things without, protects potentially risking the the future of that prosthetic joint so i found that at that point it was time to pass on the torch so to speak right but I, you know i really enjoyed um you know the especially the last two or three years of of coaching because we a we did very well but b we had just a really great mix of people right and you know from kids 17 16 17 right up to guys still playing in their mid 40s wow and having to create some cohesiveness in that. Wow, that's not easy. Yeah. And, you know, and I found some things in coaching, you know, if it's, if it becomes all about winning, then you're, you're not considering the person. And I found that to be a little bit uh, manipulative. Oh, okay. And a bit distasteful at the same time. And, you know, I kind of ended up getting into a philosophy there that, you know, yes, you have to have a focus on winning, but if it develops a person or, you know, provides somebody with some personal development, then, you know, that's a bigger reward than actually, you know, the whole winning thing. Yeah. Hey, you know, you just, you know how organic our conversations turn out to be a lot of time. When you're talking about coaching, I was just thinking about something. You know, uh, when I was at that seminar, it made me realize, you know, you know, we're both... Um, in that mid-age range now, you know, I'm in my 40s, you're uh, approaching the, the, you know, you're in your 50s. I'm going to focus on what you are right now rather than where you're going. <laughs> Makes you feel better, right? So, but at least the, our listeners know that we have some decades of experience, right? And, you know, it was funny. I was listening, I, I was at my seminar and, um, and uh, I didn't want to, I, I don't want this uh, podcast to sound like any kind of advertisement in any way. So that's why I'm kind of leaving the names to be anonymous in that way. Um, but what I'm, I was thinking is that um, there's a, a person that I remember in one of the seminars, um, and one of their major fears was that they didn't have enough experience to achieve their goals or be a good business person. And I remember the moderator saying, well, you know, how long have you been alive? And then they said, well, I've been alive for over 50 years. And they go, well, there you go. There's enough life experience right there. Do you think you know anything more than, say, a 15 or 20-year-old? And then they said, of course. And so you may not have all the business experience, but the life philosophies, the, the being even on this planet for 50 years is an accomplishment itself. That's experience. And, and you can't gain more experience without seizing the day and moving forward or, or in the appropriate situation, taking that step that you want to, you want to take. Exactly. And that's why we're seizing the day with Jim and Winston here, October 20, 2015. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, hey, you know, uh, last time we talked, you mentioned something really cool. Um, we wanted to make this kind of like having a cup of coffee with two friends here. And um, one thing that really um, kind of caught me that I thought we'd talk, we'd share with our listeners is uh, when you were watching the queue on CBC and that talk about uh, Glenn Hansard. Yeah, uh, you know, I, and I had absolutely no knowledge of Glenn Hansard. And, and you know, I'm going to share a little bit of the oh, experience. You know, I, I'm in, just jumped in uh, my work vehicle and I'm, I had to go to the bank and uh, do a couple things there and, and run a few errands around. And, and um, on comes this song. It, it, it was within about a minute of being in the in the vehicle, on comes this song called Winning Street. And, and it was, you know, very good song, very impressed with the, you know, um, the emotion in it and and all that and um, got listening to the conversation between Chad and, and Glenn. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it was just at a, such a high level of, of thought that, uh, you know, I got to the bank and I, I sat in the truck until the interview was over. Wow. I mean, that's when you have a hard-hitting interview right there. And, you know, for those listeners that may not know who Glenn Hansard is, if you've watched the movie once, um, he scored a lot of the, the movie soundtrack there. But people remember that movie for its uh, soundtrack because it was pretty touching stuff where it was about a musician who meets a fellow musician, uh, a lady from musician, and, and some other band members and decides to... to um, write this uh, write this music and songs to try to win back his love there and um he uh he turns it into an amazing kind of like a not a musical theater thing but like a just a great musical movie and um glenn went on to write some cool songs and then that's how um uh jim here um ended up like listening to his song winning streak but the most the most interesting part that you mentioned to me when i and got me to listen to the interview was when how he came up with the name versus what originally he was going to call it. Yeah, he originally had it written as as losing streak, and and you know one of the lyrics in there was going to be a, I hope your losing streak finally ends. And and he thought about it. And he you know he said he just couldn't own it with that. It was, the message wasn't right for him, or you know it just didn't feel right to him. So he you know he continued to work on the song and. And I uh, turned it around to winning streak, and you know we we discussed this at the time that it's it's kind of a Mother Teresa thing where she won't go to any anti rally or protest or anything like that. Mm-hmm. She will not be anti anything, right? But she will be pro something, right? So, so pro you know, pro that's, peace that's rather than the way you know from my perspective, what Glenn did with that song is he turned it around and to make it have a different connotation. A right. lot of everything, and the, the purpose of writing the song was the same. I'll leave that up to our listeners to research. It was uh, on the September 10th edition of Q. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, he, he changed that around, and he said it was, once he did that, he could own the song. And, and for him to to record and, and, um, and perform a song, he says he needs to own it. So, you know, just that different twist of thought uh, made it so that he could own it and you you can certainly hear that in the passion when he sings a song yeah I think that's deep I think there's a deeper 
a lesson in that for people as well. I mean, um, the authenticity of uh, even the simple, something as simple as a title and the way you reframe how you're doing something makes a big difference. I mean, losing streak versus winning streak, which one do you feel more excited about, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, ending a losing... We, we focus a lot on the things we don't want in the process of trying what, to find out what we do want. And I'm I'm actually inspired by that because, you know... When you try to end a losing streak, you try to stop something from happening. Whereas you go try to go on a winning streak, you're actually aiming for something positive, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and um, you know, I think in, in gaining something positive and turning it around from something that has the connotation of a negative is, uh, especially from the way Glenn presented it to me, that's that's him gaining experience as well. Yeah, I, I, I kind of think about our day-to-day and um, how much we spend our time. Like, this is where our talks go all the time. We, we start talking about a topic and about something neat that comes across our lives in some serendipitous way, like that interview. And then the, our side point, our sidebar diversion becomes that, so how does that apply? You know, how does that apply in, in our daily lives about what we focus on? Are we focusing on our winning streaks? Are we focusing on our losing streaks, you know? Yeah, and on top of that, sometimes we can we can just get pretty focused on the on the day to day and and uh, survival. And there's nothing wrong with that because mm-hmm. sometimes that's just what we need to do. Life can get so busy and and the challenges of the day. You know, we just survive what it presented and and get some rest and move on to the next day. I know. It, it, you know, sometimes I wonder if we're living or we're just surviving and getting by. And, and you know, lately for the last few weeks, um, you know, my family's been looking at, um, at different things that have been kind of trying to create more enlightenment. Um, for example, we do a gratitude journal, just talking about things that we're grateful for and not in any kind of other spiritual way than just to stay connected as a family to sort of see, um, to catch ourselves doing things right. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a lot of times, whether or not you're an employer or a coach or things, we catch the people doing things wrong. Like, and then we, we hope that by catching those things that they do wrong, they won't do them again. Well, that's one philosophy that may or may not work. It, at times, it works because, you know, for example, if you're speeding and you get pulled over by a police officer and then you get a ticket, I'm, I guess that punitive approach does kind of make you slow down, right? At least for the time being. <laughs> But, uh, you know, how would you react if the guy pulled you over and said, you know what, you were going a little fast there, you know, um, and, and how do you feel when they say, you know, this time is a warning, I won't give you that, you know, that hefty warning, uh, hefty financial burden for, for making a mistake here, but don't do it again. Or, I mean, I, I got to say that that moment that they um, give you the slap on the wrist instead of giving you the heavy handed thing, it does make you refocus and that also makes you feel lucky in some way too, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, if you were headed to, say, a casino, mm-hmm. you got caught for speeding, perhaps you should just turn around and go home because your luck has been used up for that day. <laughs> yeah, maybe you could take that one as a sign and move on, right? <laughs> you know, but that is, sometimes you get a lot more, uh, you know, it's an old, old, old saying, but you get a lot more flies with honey than you do with vinegar. And, and yeah. maybe... You know, the police officer recognizes that, you know, you're not doing 40 kilometers an hour over the speed limit. You're maybe 10 or 12. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there could, you know, maybe you just had to pass somebody and he caught you at the wrong time. So, you know, he's just giving you that little wake up and 
and uh, and also you know maybe passing on the fact that you can appreciate and respect him a little easier than you know just giving the the heavy hand and the fine and the points. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, on the what keeps this kind of whole podcast interesting is that we never know what we're going to say until we say it. Of course, um, I just thought about that what you just said there, and it made me think about something, inspired a thought about giving people the benefit of the doubt. I mean, I'm just trying to think of examples in my life or recent experiences where giving people the benefit of the doubt has actually been beneficial. Can you think of anything that's happened to you recently that where that applies? Um, yeah, you know, it's just that uh, from the coaching side of things, I, I tend to just internally, you know, maybe critique a performance or or an action, whether it be by engineering consultant through the day-to-day work life or you know things like that and and um, you know I always have to check myself there and say well I'm I'm not sitting in their shoes Mm -hmm. they probably have more information than me Mm -hmm. so you know that could be the reason why you know this design was chosen or or their decision to you know, do a certain thing on a job or, or something like that. So, you know, it, it's it's easy to critique and judge, and it's easy to do that quickly. And, you know, I find that I have to check myself with that one and say, well, you know what, I'm not in their position right now. And, and uh, you know, they probably have more information than me. So I, I've got to be very careful with, with that um, judgment or critique. Yeah. No, I, that's that's a good one there. I was just thinking about just a couple of recent scenarios, and um, I think every driver has had this experience where you're um, driving in a car and you're wondering why they're going so slow. There's got to be a scenario where that happens to somebody on a regular basis. But let's say you're following a car and this, let's say the speed limit's 50 or 60, and the person's going 40, and you're wondering, um, you know, what's going on. And it was funny, recently I was driving behind a car where that same scenario played out. They didn't have an N sticker or L sticker to say that they were learning or a new driver. They just happened to be going extremely slow. And instead of actually fighting against that, I actually followed the car with a little bit of curiosity rather than aggravation. I stayed behind the car instead of passing it. Um, When I probably normally would have found an exit out and switched lanes or something, I just kind of followed it. Ironically... As I was watching what was going on, I, I realized that um, this person um, had a child in the back seat, and I think by observing their conversation through their rearview mirror, they're having a conversation with their kid through the through the uh, the mirror, <laughs> and and I could sense that what was happening was that the person was distracted and just needed to approach things at a slower pace. Probably the better idea would have been to pull over and deal with the situation so they weren't obstructing traffic. But I I had a lot of compassion and empathy for them. You know, anyone who's had a, you know, uh, a young child in the car in any ways, you know, their own daughter or son, niece, nephew, anybody that's had somebody that's uh, younger than them in the car can probably relate to the idea that um, at times our focus may not be there if, if they bring up a, a need or a, a screaming a fit that uh, needs to be addressed, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, <laughs> sometimes when the, the pace of life puts us in the situation that you had and, and we, pro- we maybe didn't use as much patience and took that opportunity to, uh, 
to pass or even honk or something. You know, yeah. uh, being alone in the vehicle uh, made some sort of disparaging comment. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes. I, I can see. And the, the funny thing is, after that time had passed, instead of, uh, you know, feeling aggravated at the person, I just actually kind of felt like, wow, you know, I remember those days when it was like that, when uh, my daughter was young and I thought, like, it just feels overwhelming. So instead of actually feeling aggravated at that person, I actually in my own mind, kind of wish them well and hope that things work out because you could see that the person was having one of those days where they were either almost on the brink of losing it. <laughs> and uh, I don't think honking a person that's in that kind of mindset would be good for anybody on the road or in the car. Yeah, at the end of the day, all it does is, uh, if, you know, depending on the behavior you choose, if it's if it's a negative one, it, it, it just validates anger, which is really just frustration or pain. So that's maybe not a great thing. Yeah, I think about the domino effect of the things we do. Like we think that we're just a small player in the big game of life. But think about this. When a man kicks a dog and then a dog chases the cat and the cat chases the mouse and then down eventually that chain hits. It's so funny how the little things lead to big things and our impact um, even on the little things can lead to so many changes. So, like if you think about the even when you have a day when an accident happens, how many things had to happen perfectly for that moment to happen is quite remarkable sometimes. Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, you know, there's. I mean, take one step back to the coaching side, and you know, potentially the athletics, and you know, we had a, a situation. You know, and uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't coaching, but it was recently with our club. You know, like last year where a guy made a bad decision right at the end of the game and you know if he would have kicked the penalty instead of running the ball um and you know and he ended up not being successful in that in his choice that um you know anybody who said to him that well you lost the game for us well you know if i i'm never a fan of that sort of thinking mm -hmm. because a game takes 80 minutes to play and if you want to watch the whole game, you can you can catch probably 50 other decisions or occurrences in the game that could have led to a different outcome and had us ahead at that point. So, oh yeah, you know that's just you know unfortunately that's just part of what sport presents to to people in in specific situations. And you know you you've got to win it as a team and lose as a team. And I think. The experience of losing probably got greater character building in it than winning. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I think about all the sports teams and how much is at stake and how the margin of error is so slim and small that, um, you know, <laughs> when you're an, when you're a fan rather than actually a player, it's very easy to criticize because you're not on there experiencing at the moment. Your heart rate's not running at, you know, hundreds of beats per minute trying to keep up to even breathe. Right, and well, then you know absolutely, and um, you know I, I've met I've met some people through work and you know a few other circumstances in life that have been really really afraid to make a decision. Right, and I think that's probably one of the worst things you can do because the the decision you make after you know suitable I mean in athletics it's got to be made right away. Right. There's no, There's no doubting. You yeah. Sit there and think about it. No. You're, you're done, right? Mm -hmm. So you know, um, 
I, I think that that sort of philosophy can be taken into other situations and say, well, you know, obviously you have to take enough time to examine what you're going to do with your decision, but you can't freeze everything, be in two minds and let things progress to the point where not making a decision causes more problem than the right one or the wrong one. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's actually pretty f- profound. Uh, you know, it's funny when we're pressed on time and we have to make a choice. Um, th- th- like you said, the worst thing you could do is not make a choice at all. Because, you know, that's almost like um, presenting yourself to the world and not having any opinion where people can either love you or hate you in a way, right? I think if you think about uh, even the entertainment industry, the reason why people gravitate to certain people they may not agree with the person all the time, but they appreciate when they, the person's willing to put themselves out there to even have an opinion. And I think, um, I think if you look at uh, um, things in general, there's not enough people that actually um, hold their ground and actually have an opinion. And that's why there's a little bit of confusion out there sometimes. Absolutely. And, you know, I uh, cherish knowing people and respecting people that have differing, differing opinions. You know, I may not even come close to agreeing with your opinion, but I defend your right to have it. And I, I really think that when two people can differ in their opinion significantly, discuss it with respect mm-hmm. and, and step away and, and remain friends because it, it shouldn't, affect the friendship or develop a friendship because of those differing opinions, I think you're, you're in a much stronger uh, relationship because if, if all you want to do is associate with like-minded people, it's going to be kind of boring. Yeah. In fact, you won't expand your, your realm of, uh, you, you won't expand your mindset. You won't um, change your perspectives on things. And the problem is that if you, hang around a small pond and you're a big fish in that one, that's great. You might feel great. But when you start to stretch yourself and start to see other people's perspectives, it'll do one or two things. They'll either strengthen your existing perspective or give you new perspectives to look at. Yeah. And I don't think anybody ever died from changing their mind because they got more information. <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> that's funny. You know, hey, you know, we were, you know, we talked earlier about Wayne Dyer and his impact and what it, what he means to us and what he, he meant to us. I know you watched him on TV and I, I've watched him uh, in his most recent thing on PBS for You Can See, I Can See Clearly Now and things like that. And I've read a number of his books, but I think for me, the reason why he had a, a big impact was because he represented something that was different from all the other motivational guru type people that I've, I've read about in the past. He sort of did it in an organic way where he wasn't really selling particular product per se, other than his books. He kind of did it on a larger perspective to get people to reflect on what was important in their life, to take a pause, you know, to sort of look at things with deeper meaning. And I, when I look at all the other thought leaders out there, I mean, there's Deepak and others that have done similar type work um, on a different vein. Um, I think the reason why Wayne commanded so much respect amongst that kind of community was that everybody knew that Wayne was doing it to to share his deeper thoughts with a larger community that, like you said, was non-denominational. It didn't, you didn't have to be a particular religion to believe in that. Um, but his thoughts were sort of universal. Not in a, in a sense, that's where I would want to go in my life to leave that kind of legacy. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I think, um, 
I think if people are out there doing something to create a legacy, mm-hmm. then that's kind of like, uh, I don't know if you're ever familiar with the poem that we were uh, instructed to read in junior high school called Ozymandias, and it's basically about, uh, you know, an Egyptian pharaoh or ruler or whatever king at the time who wanted to build the greatest, you know, mausoleum to himself so he would be remembered for all time and you know you fast forward I don't even think it was a hundred years in the poem and who the hell who the heck was he <laughs> you know so if that's your purpose that's not going to be very lasting and I don't I don't ever think that was Wayne Dyer's purpose I think Wayne Dyer's purpose was to provide information and enlighten people to wiser thoughts and you know when that when your purpose is one that's um, more universal than self-centered, it's, it's going to have a whole lot greater uh, impact. Yeah, I agree. I think, you know, what that brought to mind was intention, right? Um, yes. Like, you know, it's funny that how we we go into things thinking that what we do doesn't have uh, a big impact on people, but the crazy thing is that it's amazing how much impact we do have and that we don't even acknowledge that we have. Lots of times we do stuff and um, we think it has a minimal impact on the world. It could be as simple as walking your kid to school or or taking that moment to uh, stop when somebody needs a hand or something. Or even even picking up the phone when somebody's calling and they're desperate and you don't know what's going to happen on the end of that phone call. I, I On that same situation, I had a call from a person who I thought was going to be a client but turned out to be somebody looking for a, a water test kit you know, being in the water business. And I knew immediately from that call that, like, even from the first few minutes, that it was nothing for me. I, it wasn't something I offered to the marketplace in any way, but it was something that they obviously desperately needed. It was interesting. They they shared with me why they needed it, the urgency of why they needed it. Um, and even though I couldn't immediately help them, because they, they painted out their scenario so clearly and so vividly to me, I went out of my way to help them uh, because I knew that it was important to them. And even though it didn't lead to any kind of financial gain to me or any other way, uh, I just wanted to help the fellow man who was going through the same situation that everybody goes through sometimes when you just need a hand and you don't know who to ask. Yeah, and it, it's not that hard to take a little bit of time to point somebody in the right direction. Yeah, and that's the thing. You know, we, so often we're so busy with our own own needs and we're thinking what's in it for me kind of thing right i mean uh but then if we get past ourselves and look at the bigger picture we uh, we suddenly find that there's more to it than that there's a there's a deeper meaning that may not be seen you know and um from that experience even though um it was a short phone call and i i steered them the right direction got them the right contacts the the level of appreciation I felt at the end of that call was was pretty significant. It was probably more so than a lot of the other clients that had called me the same day that, you know, actually needed to work with me on something that I offered. But the the person was so appreciative of it and really made me think that that there's so many ways of there's so many types of currency, you know, Jim, like not just financial currency but emotional currency that we underplay. Oh yeah, absolutely. Some of the you know, some of the most fulfilled people in the world and happiest people in the world are um, people without affluence. And you know, it doesn't take doesn't take affluence to be happy. 
know, the, on the other side of the coin, there's absolutely nothing wrong with having some financial success. Yeah. But financial success and personal success are two different things. Mm-hmm. For, you know, if, if both com- combine, you know, like I, I just consider that I've seen too much of success being related to, oh, my, they have a great job or, oh, my, they, uh, they've done very well for themselves or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you look at, at, you know, people just on a working man's wage doing a great job bringing up their kids and, and enjoying life. That's, that's pretty huge success if you ask me. Yeah, I mean, living in the moment is important. I think it's really critical that that people see um, the bigger picture sometimes. And um, it's very easy sometimes to sort of uh, interpret success as something that, you know, you get when you've achieved a certain uh, goalpost. And I, I think that's not a mistake necessarily. It's just a different way of thinking. I find that we're in such a measurement state where I came across this friend one day and I said, um, how do you know when you really made it? And they said, well, the one with the most toys wins. I said, I don't know about that. You know, I at first it was a funny chuckle. You know, you don't question those things when you're younger. But when you get older, you start thinking about that. Is it really true? You know, is it really the person with the most toys wins? In a, in a sandbox argument, maybe that's true. You know? But in, on a larger picture, I mean, we're in such a materialistic world that we do measure things so cut and dry, black and white. But if you took all those things away and you stripped everyone of all their material belongings, if you asked me who was the most wealthy, I wouldn't. I wouldn't look at. Uh, we couldn't look at material things anymore. We'd have to look internally inside to see what type of person that person evolved to, right? Yeah, and uh, really, something I listened to recently on Q just reinforces that in, in a big way. John Fogarty, who's had such success, firstly through CCR and then you know, with a solo career. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, as he said, I, I've had lots of money. I've lost it all. I've gained some back. And, you know, at the end of the interview, um, he was asked, well, what's your legacy? And he said, well, I never really thought about having a legacy, but he said, what I'd like to be remembered for is being a good husband, a good father, and a, and a good family man. It had nothing to do with career success or, or financial success, or musical success. It, it had everything to do with with what was most dear to him, and that was those he loved in his life. So, and he said, you know, without love, possessions don't mean very much. Yeah, no, I agree. You know, I think the possessions that mean the most to us are the ones that we put the most love into. Almost, for example, I'll, I'll share with you something uh, interesting and, and, and personal this way. Uh, for my birthday this year, which is in September. Um, you know, I received a number of gifts and, uh, you know, the important ones were for my immediate family, my wife and daughter. And my daughter, um, had recently, um, invested in some photo- photographs of herself, uh, like that she wanted a photo shoot done. So she spent quite a bit of her savings on that. And so she didn't have a lot of residual cash left to, to, uh, buy me some gifts that she really wanted for me. She kind of knows me well enough that I like techie gifts and things like that, but most of them are or outside the range of a, a teenager's budget, right? And so she went out of her way and actually created a number of gifts for me, uh, which, you, you know, if you're a parent or anyone that's been around kids, you're used to that when they're younger, but as they get older in their teens, 
it's less common because I guess, you know, they get used to material goods rather than uh, created goods. I, I guess I'm fortunate that my daughter still likes to create things with her hands, from cards to gifts. And she made me this painting, um, and um, she painted it with a big heart and, and put an inscription in it. And I gotta say that the time that she took to paint that for me, and just understanding how hard it is to get to the mind space of sharing something that creative, meant more to me than if she, had she bought me a very expensive technological gift. Yeah, well, she took time, her most valuable currency, or the most valuable currency in life, to create your gift. And it, even on that same vein, I, I think sometimes I was talking to my wife this morning, and she was saying, you know, talking about appreciation. And um, I think sometimes the people closest to us, we tend to overlook in that appreciation because we assume they're always going to be there. And I, I think we all run, uh, we take this for granted, like if we're running late or something and we expect our spouse to to help us out or they do that extra little thing, make you lunch or clear the pathway so it makes it easier for you to leave, find your keys for you when you've lost them, whatever it is. Um, the same birthday, she'd written me this card. She bought me a gift as well, but she wrote me this card, and she always does for my birthday, and she writes a pretty thoughtful, meaningful card inscription. And I realized that she spends um, quite a bit of thought and time writing that card. And in previous years, I just kind of took it as who she was. I didn't think about the consciousness that she has to bring to it to even write that. And then even talking about this now, I'm starting to appreciate the fact that... Um, you know how we were talking about currency and, and how time is our greatest currency. The time that she took to write that, instead of just writing something generic like "Happy Birthday, Winston," um, and writing something deep and meaningful, is probably more valuable to me than than any gift that I could have received. Absolutely. You know, I, you know that's interesting. I figured, you know, like, kind of cool thing since this is our our premiere episode there, Jim, and um, we're talking about um, legacies and things. I mean, that might be our word for the day. Uh, it's always nice to have a theme. Um, you know, when we talked about this, we were thinking that uh, we were going to do um, a monthly podcast series. Uh, maybe uh, our goal was to do a podcast a month. And then at first we thought we'd target it for a year, but we thought, hey, Jim had a great idea about leaving this open-ended because we never know where this is going to go, right? Yeah, absolutely. Don't, don't you know, we, sometimes you need to put deadlines on things and, in life, you know, that's most common in work, but, um, yeah, there's, there's no need to put a, a deadline or a constraint on, on seizing the day. Yeah. I think that that's a good metaphor of, of what we do too, right? Because it's limitless, it's spontaneous, and you never know what you're going to get when you're with Jim and Winston. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. We don't even know, right, Jim? We don't even that's know. We, yeah. We, we're just scripting it as we go. That's what makes this organic. This is just like... You and me having a coffee with a friend on the other side, of, and uh, we're just happy to have you listening. I mean, uh, switching gears a little bit, Jim, I know you're writing a book. I know I am too, but I, I want to ask you a little bit about your book. Um, I know we've been talking about this for a little while. You've been sending me, sending me excerpts, which I highly enjoy when you send that, and I think our talks have helped inspire a little bit more, but tell me a little bit about what you're writing. Well, it's, uh, it's kind of centered around food and cooking, but it's... It also ties in common threads of, of different life experiences and, and uh, observation. And, and food is the common thread that, that brings each story together. And um, 
it, you know, it, it started out as, as something that was an experience. Uh, you know, I just wrote one story that was a, an experience on uh, a late night situation after a bunch of us playing hockey together ended up at uh, a Winterfest celebration, Kimberly, in, in February. They don't actually have it anymore. And, and um, you know, a friend had, had bought a smoky because he'd missed dinner and it was, you know, like 1230 at night. And I had, uh, you know, bumped into him because, you know, it's, it's in a hockey arena. I just kind of slapped him on the back and the smokey shot out of the bun and <laughs> a gallon of garbage truck. <laughs> there weren't any more. <laughs> we, we always chuckled about that when we see one another. And it, you know, we kind of started referring to it as a smoky incident. So I thought, you know, I got to just write that down. And in the process of writing that experience down, you know, I also appreciated the fact that that food can bring people together. Food can be a source of celebration. You know, um, a meal in itself is a gift and the time it takes to create it and all those sorts of things. And, and, you know, so I just started writing down other experiences and it's just kind of manifested into, into a book. And one of the things I've done is I've worked in a pulp mill for 13 and a half years and, and in pulp mills, there are control rooms, and every control room has its own kitchen and barbecue and all these things. And there's some pretty amazing meals made in there, and there's a lot of collaboration between workmates when these meals are, are made. So, you know, that's that's kind of also a big portion of the book is, is that uh, cooking experience in an unusual place. You know, and then it goes on to other passions of cooking and, and um, meals made and... and uh, you know, well, I'll share a little bit about that whole thing, you know, with each podcast. Yeah, you know, and the food side was interesting. The, the most recent one that you sent me about um, birthdays and uh, cheesecake and things like that. We won't reveal that one too early. We'll save that one for uh, maybe the next celebratory ex- episode when your birthday's coming up. <laughs> um, and uh, but I, I really enjoyed that one. Actually, I shared that one, that whole idea with, of what you did with my um, my wife and daughter. They thought that was really sweet. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a that's a really fun one. Um, and uh, you know, we we won't bore people with the details, but we'll bring bring in the fact that um, that both my wife and I do bake one another different different things for our birthdays. And, and here again, you know, we'll tie it in. And we'll put that common thread in our discussion here and using the currency of time to give somebody a gift and and really how meaningful that that making of that gift is and how much enjoyable it is and how much it can be shared. You know, on a larger scale, when you wrote that um, in your um, as one of the sections of your book, I started thinking, man, I mean, not only is that a deep gift, but this think of the great feeling of anticipation. And the kind of like um, emotional currency that adds to your relationship when you do those kind of things, because no longer is a birthday just somewhere where we just treat the spouse out for a dinner and and call it a day and then buy buy a gift. But you guys actually spend the time researching and, and thinking about the next type of thing to make. And I thought that was really kind of sweet that it becomes an expectation, but also something that you really look forward to. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun figuring it out. Then uh, once you once you have it determined what you're going to make, you you have to then go buy all the ingredients and and 
you know, do all that sort of stuff. So there's, because it's, it's not the, the same thing every time, there's, a, there's some uncertainty. Right, <laughs> right. success. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's great. I mean, I, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the next few episodes. I'm glad that our process of talking about it and emailing, um, and maybe even by doing this podcast and talking about it, um, will even encourage you to keep moving forward with it. Because I know, you know, as a fellow writer, I know how hard it is to stay motivated in your day-to-day when there's other things to do. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it, it can be tough to find the time to sit down and write. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, Wayne Dyer, in one of his talks, talked about Patanjali's. Mm-hmm. Patanjali's was an Indian philosopher who said, the morning breeze has secrets to tell. So if you're waking up early in the morning, do something with it. Um, you know, it can be the most productive time of your day. And I found with writing that that, that works really, really well. Unfortunately, yeah. the, the one thing that's a little bit of a challenge to it, it's not a negative challenge, it's just a life challenge, is Patanjali's didn't have a day job. <laughs> you, you, you know, you get up at you know, 3.30 or 4 and even 4.30 and you tap out an idea and, you know, you're off to work at 7 and, wow, you, you can be a little tired by 2 or 3. <laughs> yeah, no, I, you know, part of my dream is uh, to, you know, I, I always wanted to be out there and um, share deep thoughts and um, and I think uh, Wayne had a very um, amazing life where he could focus on the things that mattered most to him, like sharing deep thoughts with other people, writing books and then spending the rest of the time sharing these thoughts with other people, either in seminar format or otherwise, right? I mean, what a dream life that would be to do extremely well that way, both from a recognition point of view, not as a movie star type recognition, but from a recognition that people appreciate that you share thoughts with them so that you're actually helping improve their lives as well, or making them see things in a different perspective, which they may or may not always agree with, but even to to motivate and and inspire thought is is a great gift, you know? Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the things Wayne Dyer said, when you change the way you look at things, what you look at can change. Right. So it, sometimes we get pretty dialed into situations, be there, be at work or personal or whatever. And, you know, we're, we're right in the center of the hurricane. Mm-hmm. And we maybe don't always see the big picture. So kind of taking that moment to step back and look at the big picture is is a really valuable thing or to look at it from somebody else's perspective or just to to change how you view things because you know sometimes we can get pretty focused on a certain path that may not be the right path yeah i mean it's funny after you started writing your book i started um uh, working on my own i i've been working on a book uh off and on um for quite a while and um the hard part, like we were talking about, is, is just devoting the time towards it when there's so many other life projects that uh, that come up, you know? <laughs> well, it, it, your book um, also puts light on the fact that we, we need to pay attention to some of those things that happen in life that are, you know, outside of work and, and outside of of um, experiences or looking for the meaning in experiences. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. You know, it, it, 
I think it brings to the fact that maybe nothing is accidental in in our experiences. Exactly. You know, uh, you know, things just happen when you least expect them sometimes, and that that's kind of the whole scheme of um, you know what I'm writing. We can share that with our podcast um, listeners. Uh, it isn't fully formulated in the where we're going to talk about titles or things yet until um, things are finalized. But um, uh, you know, as a, a little trailer to the whole thing, it's it's basically uh, something I've been sharing with Jim about a book I'm writing that's talking about capturing the little things in life that we sometimes overlook or neglect that are our little mini miracles during the day. Um, and it's a matter of perspective. Where you put your lens is where you're going to see things. Um, you know, two people at the same party will have a, a completely different experience based on what they focus on. Um, and uh, even with, within our podcast, we could probably present the same podcast to 20 people and each one would have a different life experience from that from listening to this because they might be inspired in a different way. They might, um, you know, it might trigger something that brings back a different memory or maybe it just leads them to want to do something creative themselves. Yeah. It, you know, to get, you know, at the, at the very least with our podcast, if we can get some people just thinking about maybe, uh, Anything from opportunities to um, empathy to yeah. fun. I mean, that's all good stuff. Yeah, I mean, if you think about even as an overview, like it's always good to review. I mean, even in this short hour that we've spent together with people, our, we talked about the the most valuable currency of time. We talked about our observations on life and philosophy. We talked about uh, like... Um, the the interview with Glenn Hansard off Q at CBC about uh, reframing from winning versus losing and a winning streak versus a losing streak and um, we talked about our reflections on Wayne Dyer about your book about my book even the process of going through this you know it's a win win um, we've gone through like we shared a little bit of our life with these with anyone listening here right so take it for what it is <laughs> oh yeah absolutely. It's, it's it's no different than listening to Q. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a good conversation. Hopefully, people enjoy it. Yeah, we, we hope that. That was our main goal of doing this. A little bit for us, a little bit for everyone else, too. And, and hopefully, we'll send out that universal message that um, everybody has a voice. And we just decided to share that with you guys this, um, this episode. Uh, it's October 2015. Um, episode 1, our premiere episode of our monthly adventures in a podcast. And um, I think we did pretty well this time, Jim. What do you think? Oh, outstanding. <laughs> got to our, pat ourselves on the back because you know what? If you're not your biggest fan, who's going to be, right? You got it. <laughs> you know, and we're, we're not asking for any outward praise or things like that. But if you've got any, feel free to comment. <laughs> oh, yeah. Feedback's always a great thing. Yeah. I mean, um, that's why we're doing this. And, you know, I'm looking forward to next month. Uh, that'll be November 2015. Um, as, as a bit of geographic nature, so you know that where we're broadcasting from, we're uh, located in uh, the beautiful British Columbia province in Canada. Yeah, and, and we're spread uh, across the southern region of British Columbia because Winston's down in the Lower Mainland and I'm up in the Kootenays in the beautiful Cramorick. So um, 
you know, it's it's uh, it's got commonality and diversity at the same time. Exactly. So we try to keep it interesting. Um, I think that kind of wraps it a little bit for our uh, monthly podcast in October. It's a great time to launch on the eve of of a Halloween coming soon. And um, you know, let's look forward, look ahead next month. I don't know what topics we'll come up with. Hey, Jim, what do you think? Well, uh, Winston, we're just going to have to keep living life and see what it presents. Yeah, we got to seize that day, eh, Jim? <laughs> got it. <laughs> so I guess that's a wrap. Um, and uh, we thought, we, we actually talked about this before we started this podcast, but we're thinking what, what would be a great way to close off this podcast uh, as we do the monthly. And Jim had this great idea that I wanted to give him full credit for. So I'm going to hand it over to Jim to close this podcast and we'll wish you well and um, until next time. Seize the day with adventures in your own life. Take care. Anyways, we'll look forward to seeing you guys next time and uh, we'll talk soon.